1130, give Jesus some praise. Come on. Yeah. That's that 1130 energy I'm looking for. All right. Yeah, you guys are fired up. I love it. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're new here, my name is Adam Harold, and my adorable wife, Tanya, and I have the privilege of leading this community that we call the Refuge Church. We are a team. Couldn't do it without her, and she couldn't do it without me on most days. So thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I don't know if you heard, half of you probably heard, but this week I joined an exclusive club. Um, the exclusive club of people that got their haircuts this week. I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I joined the exclusive club of people that don't believe that they needed their gallbladder. So um, Tuesday morning, I woke up with some stomach pain, and um, and and I, I had, it had happened before. That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, Tanya said, "Let me know when you want to go." And so two hours later, I said, "Let's go to the hospital." And so. Um, at one third, so pulled up to the hospital. The hospital was phenomenal. Um, when I got there, it was seven o'clock in the morning, and at one thirty, I was knocked out, ready to go uh, into surgery. And so, um, I'm a gallbladder less this morning than I was last week, but it's okay. I've got the doctor's approval to be here. I've got the doctor's approval to to speak this morning. And uh, I'm not going to overdo it, so I've asked this wonderful stool to uh, accompany me this morning to help me with, with my, my message today. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 John chapter 2, but before we get to 1 John chapter 2, I want to tell you today we are beginning a new series that I'm calling Beyond. Beyond what? Well, that's what's amazing about, about what God does is he gives us the ability to put in what we need, right? But, but he leads us and guides us to what we need, but then it's up to us to discover what, what we need so that we can put it in there. And so beyond, well, for us, it's beyond seven right? So next Sunday, we celebrate seven years as a church. Come on, that's good. Some of you have been with us for all seven years. Some of you have just been with us for a few weeks and, um, and beyond. But, but when, it, when it comes to beyond, it's not just beyond seven. It's beyond this life. It's, it's for you, it's beyond, beyond this life, beyond your last breath. It's not just beyond your last breath, but it's beyond what you ever dreamed that you could do, beyond your wildest dreams. I believe that God has planted beyond in every human heart. I believe that because Ecclesiastes chapter 3, before we get to 1 John, I want to read Ecclesiastes 3.11. It says this, Yet God has made everything beautiful for his own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. We may not be able to see all that God is doing, but ladies and gentlemen, God has planted eternity in every human being's heart. I believe that this is why we have movies that are trying to discover the fountain of youth in that movie, right? Enter Indiana Jones, right? Come on. 
I, I, I mean, I was, born in the, I was born in 1980, so that was like right in my wheelhouse. So you guys are like, man, he's old. Now I see why he got his gallbladder out this week. <laughs> that, time of the, that time of my life, ladies and gentlemen, that time of my life. So we've always had this desire for eternity. Every human being, regardless of how you feel about God, they know that there has to be more to this life than what we see. There has to be beyond. And so every human being has beyond inside of them. However, what's incredible about God is that he makes beyond achievable. Without God, beyond isn't achievable, but with God, beyond is achievable. And so what's incredible about where God's leading us for this series is that as we get to tell our story as a church, you get to discover what God has for you. And so you come into to church every Sunday, and we hope that we give you knowledge about God. We hope that we present who God is to you. And that as you discover who God is, you discover who he made you to be. That's, our, that's one of our missions in, as a church. We, we want to help people know God, live free, discover their purpose so that they can leave an impact in this world. But as you learn about God, you learn about you. And so as you learn this morning, we want to tell you about us. And as you learn about us, hopefully you discover something for yourself. This is a five-week series. It's going to lead us up to Easter. That means Easter is in five weeks. You can get your Easter shopping started tomorrow if you want to. Um, I don't know if you buy Easter clothes. We, we buy Easter clothes, and we're in, the, um, in a store uh, earlier this week, and I said to Tanya, I said, I guess it's time that we started looking for an Easter outfit, huh? Um, it's just something that we do because God has blessed us. We're privileged and we have, you know, we have the ability to do that. And so um, five weeks till Easter, that's all you got. And uh, because I had a friend this last week go, man, this year is flying by. Easter is like in five weeks. And I said, yeah, Easter's in March this year. So don't think that, the, the, that all of a sudden we're in April just because Easter is coming. So it, slow down, buddy. Slow down. The year's going to go by fast enough. You don't have to speed it up. And so in this series, we're going to tell you a little bit about us. So today I want to tell you a little bit of our story. Next week, we turn seven years old, and I can't believe that God has, has had us do this for seven years. We've learned some things along the way. But one of the things that we've learned is the need to be resilient. In the last seven years, ladies and gentlemen, we've seen a pandemic. A pandemic that we had no idea in 2017 that we would see in 2020 when we started our church. Had I known, I still would have started the church, by the way. But we didn't, we didn't, like, you can't see the storm. You just know the storm's going to be there. And so what we've learned over the last seven years is we've learned the need to be resilient. As I was preparing for today, especially after the week I had, I felt like God was just like, Adam, I, I want you to be resilient today. 
I want you to show people what resilient looks like because we, you live in a world right now where resilience is absent. We've gotten soft, ladies and gentlemen. And this isn't a prideful, I'm going to show them. I'm going to show them what toughness looks like. That's not who I am. You know that because I cry every week. That's not why I cry every week, but it's one of the things. So tough, like we need to find resilience in today's world. We need to understand that nothing can stop the mission of God. Not even me. So oftentimes I get in the way of what God wants to do. And I'm not willing to allow that to happen. And so there will be a time for rest. Um, later this year, there will be a time for rest. We're going to talk about this in, this, that in this series. But today is the day to be resilient, to show you what toughness looks like. And so I couldn't help but to, to see and, and, and to, to explain that over the last seven years, we've had to learn this lesson. This hasn't been one that we woke up one day and we said, oh, I think I'll be resilient today. It's been a process. Over the last 12 months, our church has grown by 200%, ladies and gentlemen. Only because of God. Not because of me, which, by the way, one of the hardest parts of getting up to tell you that I had a rough week <laughs> is not, not to tell you that I had a rough week, but it's to tell you, thank you for stepping up and making, allowing me to feel the love that you experience, I believe, every Sunday. But thank you so much for the outpouring of support. I, I think I opened up. 10 get well cards yesterday. Like it's ridiculous. It, like in a great way. We've had a meal train all week. We're like, Tanya goes, Adam, the care team asked if we wanted a meal train. And I said, Tanya, they just want to care for us. Let them care for us. Sometimes being a leader means that you allow others to go with you. In fact, that's what leadership is. And if we're asking people to care for, for other people, when we need care, we have to allow the care. And let me tell you, Tanya will tell you, I am not good at receiving help. She will tell you that. And I would agree with her. But this week, you guys have been so amazing from the meals to the cards to the, to the trustees saying that meeting can wait a week or two. Like, we don't have to have everything figured out. Let's just slow down this week. And it's just been absolutely incredible allowing you guys to, like having you guys care for us. And um, I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. Over the last seven years, we've learned what resilient looks like, and we've grown 
20, 200% in the last month, um, last 12 months. And with that amount of growth, I never want to assume that you know our story. And, and I think that our story is valuable enough to share it on a Sunday morning. Um, because you should, like, we don't have any, any secrets, ladies and gentlemen. We're, we're an open book. And with, open, with an open book comes open hands. What we, what we have is yours. And, and we just, we just want to share it with, with all of you because the best things in life are shared. When you get something that's really good, you don't, like you want to, but when you get something that's really good, it deserves to be shared. And so we just want to live life as an open book, sharing with, with others what God has done in our lives. And so this morning, I want, to, I want to tell you a little bit about where we've been. And in this series, I want to tell you a little bit about where we're going. And I want to invite you to go with us. Because I believe that this church will last far beyond me. We didn't give up everything to come and plant a church that would end with Adam Harold. We started a church that would last for eternity. And so this morning in 1 John chapter 2 is where we're going to be. You can follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. All of today's notes are available there. I want to read it for you, but before I read it, can I ask God for some strength today? Can we pray? Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for um, where you've brought us. I thank you for, for the last seven years. But Lord, I, I also thank you for the next 70 plus years. God, that you're going to do infinitely more than we could ever dream of. Lord, we truly believe that the best is still to come. And Lord, I thank you for vision. And I ask that you would continue to give us vision so that the Refuge Church can truly be the hope of the world. That we would be an accurate picture of who Jesus is to this world around us. That is our desire. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. First John chapter two, verse three says, and we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims that I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Let me read that again. Those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know that we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus lived. Ladies and gentlemen, that last verse is an identity verse if I've ever read it. You want to know where the Bible says that you should live like Jesus lived? It just, we just read it. 
1 John 2, 6. Those who say they live in God should live as Jesus lived. We should do what Jesus did. Today's big idea, if I have one thing I want to communicate to you today, it's this one thing. The path to beyond always includes obedience. The path to beyond always includes obedience. First John chapter 2 teaches us that if we love God, we will obey God. But here's the issue. Oftentimes, we look at obeying God like a slave looks to their master. I believe it's time for the church to change the narrative that we don't obey God as a, mas- as a slave obeying a master, but we obey God as a son obeying a father, a father that loves them, a father that loves them so much that he was willing to give up his most prized possession so that he could spend eternity with him. I think we have to change the way we look at obedience. And this is a lesson that I've learned over the last seven years. In fact, probably even over the last two or three years, I've really understood what it means to obey God as my father, not as my master. And so the question is, how did the Refuge Church start? How did it begin? And so this morning, I just, I don't want to bore you, but I want to tell you our story. I want to tell you how we began. And I just want you to know, I only have an hour. You don't, you want to get to lunch before three o'clock. So um, I'm, I'm going to respect your time and I'm not going to give you the, all of the details, um, but I'm going to give you some of the, some of the best cliff notes of it. And so it begins way before I even met Tanya. The, the story of the refuge begins as a child, as a, as a boy. You see, my dad was a pastor growing up. People always ask me, um, so how long have you been in ministry? And I go, my entire life. Like literally my entire life. It's all I've ever known. And I used to be ashamed of that. But now I know how, how um, privileged I am to be able to be in ministry my entire life. Um, I don't know anything different. And so um, I grew up as a pastor's kid and um, pastors, uh, the Lord's army is a lot like the Marine Corps. Once you're, in the, once you're a Marine, you're always a, a Marine, right? Marines? There it is. That's right. Once you're a Marine, you're always a Marine. So once you're in the Lord's army, you're always in the Lord's army. So my dad, even though he's retired, he's a pastor. And um, growing up in, in ministry, my dad's ministry took us to a lot of different churches. We moved around a lot. I went to four high schools in three years in three different states. I'll say it slower. Four high schools three years, three states, Illinois, Kentucky, Indiana, back to Illinois again. So people always ask me, where are you from? And I say, somewhere in the Midwest. I'm not really sure. And um, 
and so in Illinois, we were in northern Illinois first, and then we went back, and I finished high school in southern Illinois. Um, what I learned growing up was that I didn't want my kids to have to move around a lot. Have you ever seen Inside Out, the Disney movie? You guys, you know why they used moving as a catalyst for, that, for all the emotions? Because it is traumatizing to move, especially as a child. And I can attest to that. Um, and, and I didn't want my kids to have to, um, to move around a lot. In fact, when I surrendered to go to Bible college to be in ministry, my mom sat me down and she goes, Adam, why in the world would you want to do this? And I looked at her and I thought I had this amazing quote that I came up with. And I said, Mom, why would I want to do anything else? To which I discovered later that Charles Spurgeon said, if God has called me to be a pauper, why should I settle to be a king? And I was like, ooh, I like Charles Spurgeon version a little bit better. If God has called me to be a pauper, why would I settle to be a king? And so I said, Mom, I wouldn't want to do anything else. But I do know if I ever am a pastor, I want to start a church because I don't want my kids to have to move. So I decided that I was going to plant roots. And, um, and so Ty and I met in college. That's real quick, boring story. Doesn't drag on at all. I didn't have to learn resilience when I was pursuing Tanya at all. That's a joke. <laughs> resilience has been a big part of my entire life. And... Um, and so we, Ty and I met, we fell in love, bada bing, bada boom. And after we got married, we went into youth ministry. I was a youth pastor for 12 years. Um, and we don't believe in purgatory, but um, if we did, it would last 12 years. <laughs> I'm, <just kidding. laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I thank God for my years in youth ministry. It was a great time where God molded us and shaped us. And um, while we were in youth ministry, I was in my third church. So I, I, I was a youth pastor in Michigan, and then we moved to Illinois, and I was in, in two churches in Illinois. At the third one, my pastor that I worked for um, got cancer, and, uh, and he died two years later. And um, it was... It was after his death that Ty and I realized that a transition was on the horizon. You see, when, when my pastor got cancer and he was on his deathbed, he told us, so we we're a multi-site church, meaning that there were three locations. It was one church with three locations. And what he said was, I want the, church, the churches to split. I want them to go different ways. And so um, when he died, we decided that... Uh, it was time for us to, to pursue church planting. And as we began to pursue church planting, I recalled a, a conversation with my friend Seth Baltzell, who is one of our church's overseers at the refuge. Um, and, and Seth said to me one day, he goes, hey, Adam, when you're ready to plant the church that I see that God has planted in your heart, give me a call. I want to be your first call. And so we called Seth, and um, he introduced me to an organization called ARC, the Association of Related Churches. 
ARC is strictly a church planting organization. It's not a denomination. It is only for church planting, and they're really good at it. They've planted over a thousand churches in 20 years. That's a lot with a 90 plus success rate. Today, ladies and gentlemen, ARC plants six churches today. Today, there are six churches launching. Yeah, that's worthy of applause. Today's churches, they're all over the world. One's in Cape Town, South Africa, and, and there's another one in Tennessee. There's another one in Arkansas. They're, they're planting all over the world, and it's just incredible to be a part of, a, of an organization that believes in the local church and that doesn't um, dictate what they do, right? They don't tell us what to do. They just helped us get started, and there's a long story about about how that took place. And um, by the way, you may have more questions today than you had when you walked in the doors because I've told some of the story. If that's you, every week at the end of our service, we have this place that we call Next Steps. In Next Steps, you can discover what we call My Refuge. My Refuge is an online process that we make available to everyone so that you can get assimilated into the church, so that you can get connected to the church. We don't want you just to always be coming and going and coming and going and coming and going. We want you to come and latch on, right? The way that you latch on is through what we have called My Refuge. If you have questions about that, go to Next Steps either this week, next week. It's always available, and it's, it's an online process. It's super easy, and, but we answer all of the questions that you're going to have after today in that process. And so um, where am I at in the story? So on March, so sorry, 2016, Ty and I sold everything that we had, our house, and everything we had to move back to Boston where we lived with my in-laws for a year. Uh, no, sorry. That was, the, that was the first time we lived with them. <laughs> the second time we lived with them, we lived with them for about three or four months. And we, we moved in 2016 to Boston to look for a, a house in Maine. And as we moved into their house, we prayed this prayer, God, give us a house in a town that needs a life-giving church. And so, long story short, we found a house for rent that was affordable in Wyndham, Maine. And we said, all right, Wyndham, Maine's the town. And so we partnered with the high school to meet in the high school. We moved. And while we lived in Wyndham from June of 2016 to March of 2017, we were able to convince 50 people to sign on the dotted line that they would help us start the Refuge Church. And 50 people helped us launch our church on March 5th, just like those other six churches are launching today. We launched on March 5th, 2017, with 337 people in attendance on day one. That's a part of our story. We knew that God was in it that, at that moment. But guess what? If five people would have shown up, we knew that God was in it because we had a relationship with him. And so those people showed up, and over the next three years, we grew our church to 
150 people. That's not good math. That's not growth at all, numbers-wise. But it was growth spiritually. In that time, we grew spiritually. We may, we may not have grown in numbers, but today, now our church runs 450 people on a Sunday morning. Now, I tell you that because we have three services, and I realize sometimes you come in and you're like, I don't even know how many people go to that church. I don't know how many people go to our church. And, and I just, I want you guys to know, again, we're an open book. We want, you to, we want you to see what God is doing. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but in my life, I need somebody to go, this is what God is doing. And so we've been able to, to increase by, by 200% in the last month, just God doing what God does. But we've had to discover resilience. And the only way we've discovered resilience is through obedience. Because the path to beyond always, always includes obedience. But why the name The Refuge? Why, how did you come up with that name, Pastor Adam? Because ARC, again, is just a church planting organization. They allow the church planter to, to see what God gives them. And, and the, the vision that God has given them and they don't tell them what they have to call the church. And so we got to name our church. And the reason we chose the refuge is because it goes back to the, the time that I was a youth pastor. And our, our pastor died and decided to, to sp split our church, basically. And um, when, when he went to the three locations and said, I want the churches to go their separate ways, the campus pastor goes to our whole church and goes, hey, I want your help in naming our church. So here's what I want you to do. I want you all to put in, um, to submit names to the church, and we're going to form a committee of people because that's how they did. We don't do things with committees. They did things with committees, and that's probably why we don't do things with committees. <laughs> I, love, I love my people. God used them to get us here. And so they, um, so we, they submitted names. Tanya came up with a name in between services. I go, hey, do you remember the name that you came up with to, to, to submit? And she goes, I can't remember it for the life of me. And um, I'm like, well, good. I can't remember it either. But I do remember the name that, that God gave me. And the name was The Refuge. And, um, and so we both submitted our names. One of the things that you have to understand is that when I came on staff as a youth pastor, Pastor Steve, the campus pastor of our church, um, he was, he, I think he was about 61, 62, and was looking forward to retirement. And he said, when I retire, I see this guy as being the guy to fill my shoes. And so when, the, when Pastor Mark passed away, we were at that transition. And the transition that we were asking ourselves is, God, do you want us to stay here or do you want us to start something new? And so we prayed about it. And the name that God gave me was The Refuge. And we submitted it. And, and it was kind of like our fleece. If, if you've ever heard the story of Gideon, Gideon was a guy in the Bible that was, was praying about attacking or not attacking. And, and he said, God, 
I'll sleep in this tent tonight and I'm going to put this fleece out on the ground. And in the morning, if the dew comes, but the fleece is dry, then I'll know to attack. And so he wakes up the next morning and the fleece is dry. So then the next night comes <laughs> and Gideon goes, all right, God, I'm not sure that you were in the dry fleece. So this time I want it wet. And so then he does it again. And he's like, I want the fleece wet and the ground dry. And that's exactly what happened. So Gideon knew what he was supposed to do. And so for us, we said, all right, God, our fleece will be, if the church chooses the name, the refuge, I will stay in Centralia, Illinois, and I will pastor the refuge church. If they don't choose the name, the refuge, then I will go to New England. We didn't know where, but we'll go to New England and I will pastor the refuge church there. But either way, the refuge church is the fleece. And um, first meeting with the committee, they choose Tanya's name, but they don't choose my name. The name that we've forgotten, they chose that one. Now, so I tell you that to tell you that, yes, Tanya has always been better than me. But they didn't choose her name either because we would remember it if they would have chosen her name. They ended up choosing, thank God, they ended up choosing the name that the pastor chose to name the church, which is the way that the church should be led, in my opinion. So we choose the name The Refuge. And the next week, I'm praying and I'm reading God's word, and I discover Psalm chapter 91. And I read it and I go, that's it. And I felt like God said to me at this moment, Adam, Psalm 91 is where I want, what I want to be your guide. For the refuge, I want Psalm 91 to be your guide. I want to read it for you this morning. Psalm 91, verse 1, says, Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I could preach that verse. Most high. Verse two. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with feathers. I don't know if you notice when you walk in our building, our guest services wall has a big feather on it. A part of our, of our logo at the refuge is a feather. The reason it's a feather is because of Psalm 91.4. He covers us like feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and your protection. Are you getting Psalm 23 vibes here? Like this is so beautiful. Verse six, do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes. And see how the wicked are punished. Verse 9 and 10 are where we get our mission statement. 
if you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you, no plague will come near your home, for you will, he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions because the first lions weren't fierce enough. I love that he labels lions twice. I have no idea why, but I love that he labels them twice. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and I will give them my salvation. The mission of the Refuge Church is to show people that when they make Jesus their refuge, they never have to be overwhelmed by the storms of this life. We shorten it to say, never be overtaken, which is why when you walk out the doors today, you'll see the neon sign that says, never be overtaken. That's why it says that. Storms in this life are promised. Storms will last, but they won't overwhelm you if Jesus is your refuge. Whoever told you that God will not give you more than you can handle didn't know the Bible. Storms come. But storms won't last for those who make Jesus their refuge. And if they do, they will never overwhelm them because they know who to trust. The most high. And what I love about Psalm 91 is that it establishes from the very first verse, the most high. You know what most high is? Most high is the priority. Most high, that's the highest of high. It doesn't get any higher than the most high. And if Jesus is your most high, then you won't be overwhelmed by the storms of this life. But the issue is not only is our world not tough, but our world doesn't know priority either. We've got our priorities all out of whack. And I believe that a part of the vision of the Refuge Church is establishing priority. That's why we tell you we miss you when you're not here. Because sometimes we need to be encouraged to make Jesus our priority. But it doesn't just, Psalm 91, doesn't just establish God as our priority, but it also gives us the process to establish the priority. The priority and the process. The process what's the process look like? The, prior, the process looks like love and trust. Trust him and love him. 
It's not enough just to love God. You have to trust him. It's not enough just to believe in God. You have to trust him. But then it's a Venn diagram. Process, I'm sorry, priority, process, and the third P is the progress. Priority, process, and progress. And guess what? Psalm 91 says all three of them. When we make God our priority, our most high, and we give the process, we put the process into practice by loving and trusting him, guess what? Obedience is the priority. Obedience is the process. And God provides the progress. God obeys with his part, but we have to obey with our part. And we can't expect God to obey and do his part if we're not willing to do our part because that's not how good fathers work. Priority, process, and progress are three things that will lead us to beyond. But at the beginning of my message, I told you I was gonna give you four things that will lead us to beyond that we're gonna continue for the next four weeks. Here they are. Number one is faith. If we're gonna go beyond, we're gonna have to have faith. Guess what faith requires? Obedience. Number two is accountability. We're gonna need accountability to get us to beyond. I've noticed in my life that the times that I've grown the most are moments that I have accountability in them. Guess what accountability requires? Obedience. The third thing that's gonna get us beyond is generosity. If I want my name to live beyond Adam Harold, guess what I have to be? I have to be generous. Guess what generosity requires? Obedience. The fourth thing is rest. If we're gonna live beyond, we're gonna have to rest in order to get there. Guess what rest requires? Obedience. But what I love about rest is that rest requires obedience because sometimes I need to be told, Adam, you need to slow down, right? And guess what happens when I actually slow down and rest? Man, I am rewarded. And there will come a time for rest this year. That's one of the reasons why it's one of the four things that's gonna get us beyond. We're in year seven. Seven requires rest. We're gonna get to that over the next four weeks. We're gonna talk about these four things. Faith, accountability, generosity, and rest. Stand to your feet. I wanna pray with you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I'm glad you came to church today. I hope you're glad you came to church today. Obedience. The only thing that will get you to beyond is obedience, showing people that you truly love God. In fact, you can't do whatever you want to do and say you love God. To say you love God, you do what God says. The Bible says, if you say you love God and you don't do what he says, you're a liar. 
Sometimes God tells me to do things that I don't want to do. But it's in those moments that I go, all right, God, you know better than I do. I think I'll slow down. The truth is, obedience looks different for all of us. For some of you, obedience looks like going to next steps to discover what the next step for you is. For others, obedience is just opening up the Bible tomorrow to start your day. For some of you, it's turning the channel on the radio dial so you can listen to worship music and not listen to whatever it is you've been listening to. For some of you, it's just coming to church again next week, going to a small group this week. But here's the thing, I'm never going to assume that I know what your next step is without walking with you. If I'm walking with you, then guess what? I can help you discover what that next step is. But if I'm not walking with you, then I don't know. It's why you need someone to walk with you. And if you don't have anyone walking with you, but you want someone to walk with you, go to Next Steps today. We will help you find someone to walk with you. Father, I thank you that this life that you have us on is not boring at all. God, we don't know what tomorrow holds. Lord, but we know you hold tomorrow. So Father, we ask that you would help us have the courage to do what you want us to do. Not what we want to do, but what you want us to do. God, if there's anyone in this room that this morning needs to call on the name of the Lord Jesus and take the first step in obedience by calling on Jesus to save them from their sins, God, I pray that today would be the day that they say, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I've sinned, and I know that my sin has separated me from you. Come into my life by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Transform me and help me live like Jesus lived, just like 1 John taught me. Father, give me new identity in you. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Man, hey, if I had surgery on Tuesday and I could preach three times on, on a Sunday morning, I just got to give myself a pat on the back today. Come on. Let's sing. I love you.